so much to talk do about. We? Yeah. Oh God, do we have to talk about any of it? <laughs> I am, I am, I am peak exhaustion. I just keep thinking, like, could I get more done? Oh yes, yes, I Turns could get out. more done. I feel like a lasagna that's been left in the oven for three days. <laughs> like, You're a dried out lasagna. <laughs> just, it's just so done. That's, uh, that's a very good analogy. I. I slept really well the la- like last two nights, which for me is very rare. I actually slept super well, and um, like I I woke up with energy and I felt like yeah. But then by like eleven forty five, I was like, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> you know, like I feel like I've I've hit the ground running every morning, and then around noon, I'm like, all right. So I don't want to be one of those people that talks about dreams, but I did have a dream. Hold on. I'm just going to stop you there. Let's, you and I are calling it into that. I always want to hear about your dream. You know, I that's hate that. true. People, people like, I feel like that's a Twitter thing that people started being like, nobody wants to hear about your stupid, boring dream, but that's not true. I always want to hear about your dream. <laughs> Every time I, when somebody's like, okay, I, I have I'm the craziest dream. Because I always feel self-conscious about it. And then when I like wake up and I want to share my dream yeah. with somebody and I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. It makes you like an incredibly boring person. No, okay. not at all. Well, and then this tell me what big... your subconscious is trying to tell you. So in my dream the other night, I was standing in front of a mirror and I went like this with my hair and there was popped popcorn <laughs> lodged in my scalp. And I kept like f- putting, you know, like pulling it out of my scalp and then like moving my hair and my whole scalp was like popcorn. <laughs> That's amazing. It was so horrifying. And the next day, I kept like having this vision of like popcorn embedded in my scalp. And I feel like that is the analogy for 2021 yes. so far. It's like no matter how I move, no matter where I look, there's just like a terror. There's just It's something there's something inexplicable that should not you, like, you shouldn't have the, popcorn. What the scalp fuck but. is this? <laughs> So far. That's 2021 so far. It really is. That's a perfect, perfect dream. Uh, I love that because, you know, they say that like dreams about getting your teeth, teeth knocked out yeah. or you're losing your hair is about like vanity or your fear of getting older. But yours is literally like, what if I was made of popcorn? <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, know. I, 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 w- I like almost looked it up, but I was like, nobody has ever had this dream. Nobody <laughs> has ever had the popcorn scalp dream for sure. And That's what incredible. it means and why it happened. But yeah, and it's still like the, the image of it is haunting to me. Like I, I keep thinking like, oh, get that out of my brain. That's yeah. so icky. I had, an, I had a nightmare. First nightmare I've had in a while. And it was kind of started like similarly ridiculously because um, my aunt had called, my aunts had called me and they were really upset and worried. And they were like, careful, you got to be really careful. There are these beings from another dimension that are popping into our dimension and you have to be really careful. And I was like, whatever, gotta go, bye. And I hung up and didn't listen to these instructions of like, they were trying to warn me, like if they come to your house, here's what you have to do. So I was in bed um, and one of these beings popped into existence, but it was the two, it was a stuffed toucan from, you know, it's from some cereal. What's the, which cereal has a toucan mascot? Uh, I can Fruit Loops. S- I yeah, feel like yeah, yeah. it is Fruit Loops. Yeah, Fruit it Loops. was the Fruit Loops toucan, <laughs> a stuffed 
like one of the really cheap ones like you'd get at the fair like like very loosely stuffed and it was white had white around it and it popped into existence next to me and i grabbed it and i strangled it to death (laughs) very like just no fear nothing just like strangled it to death and then threw it on the ground and then was like cool and um and then I was like, all right, I'm going to go get ready for bed. And I went downstairs to lock up the house. And when I got into the living room, I realized that the front door was open. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I turned. And then a man in a flat-brimmed hat. I don't know why that's a detail, but it made it extra scary in the dream. <laughs> and a flat-brimmed hat came charging at me. And he grabbed me and started strangling me. And I realized what my aunts were trying to warn me is like, the way you killed these dimensional beings is how you would die. <gasps> and I was like, oh, I should have listened to those instructions instead of being impatient. And then I woke up. Like right when he grabbed me, I woke up. But isn't that like wow. similarly like, yeah, that's 2021 is you're like, well, I, I think I got a handle on this. And then somebody tries to strangle you. So I think for sure I didn't sleep well last night because Dave and I went and got Chinese food last night and we drove Where'd home. You, what did you get? Like we take got Yenching. Take oh, out. Nice. Take out and Yenching. I love and, it. And uh, it was so good. I don't know. We haven't had good luck with takeout. Yenching. Recently, but I feel yeah. like because they have done that forever. They've it's been like doing all these it places years. trying to do takeout yeah. are failing a lot of times. Um, but we got takeout and we were driving home along this road that's along the rim that looks out over the city which are like really expensive, fancy houses, like million dollar homes. And there was one house and I've walked by it multiple times and it's like this super huge fancy house. And they had, prior to the election, huge Trump signs, like 15 Trump signs in their yard. And so when we drove by last night, there was all of these giant pickup trucks at like eight o'clock at night, like at their house. And I was like, I was having a little rally, uh, planning something. Yeah, you guys doing a little thing? You having a little uh, rally? Getting ready, potluck? getting ready for something? Yeah, and that's all. I was like, there's no way they're doing anything except like practicing some kind of insurrection. Yeah, they've all got guns. They're playing they got militia. Their giant, and and I was like, and this is exactly like, don't give me this bullshit about these people are economically disadvantaged. No, all of these people are extremely wealthy. That's I feel like that's what the January 6th showed everybody is everybody's been like, well, this is really about like rural communities. And no, everybody that got arrested was a lawyer and a dentist, you know, like everybody they're military, they're police officers, they're, you know, they're corporate men. And what they want is a fight. Yeah, they don't really care. They're not like, uh, you know, standing for something. They don't have a platform. They want to fucking fight a war because nobody gave them a war to fight. Yeah, those guys didn't go to Iraq. They didn't go to Afghanistan. So they're going to make their own war. And so they're they're saddling up. They got their guns. They got their... Rock hard, all of them. Yeah. That's what I think the the most disturbing thing about it is just how rock hard for violence all these guys are. And so, and like... They can't fucking wait. Yeah. (laughs) They got their zip ties. They're so ready to shoot somebody in the head. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and it's just like three blocks away in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. this is happening and i just couldn't sleep because i was like i know that's what's going on we all know what's going on and everybody's like oh i'm shocked nobody is shocked unless you have in your head solidly up your ass yeah i felt i felt like 
you saw the news media reacting really shocked on January 6th. And I was like, how we're still doing this. We're still being like, you know, acting like the buildup, like there haven't been tons Trump of people. Trump off? <gasps> You're kidding me. Yeah. Who the fuck he literally him to call him nine off? Nine months ago, they said, are you going to allow a peaceful transition of power if you don't win the election? He was like, no, I'm not doing that. No. And and every time, like he nobody- called them to arms. Everybody keeps like not believing him when he's telling you very clearly what he said he would do and he's doing it. Yeah, yesterday I was doing a paint and chat. You know, I just do those every once in a while. And- very mellow it's a nice little community of people we just talk about movies and and you know art and like very very chill uh and yesterday some trump supporters like hopped in and just started being like hail trump blah blah blah, and like threatening violence and all this stuff and i usually don't like i'm it's never happened before nobody's ever hopped in and like shouted the politics because it's mm. it's an art live stream uh it's just for chatting about feelings you know and i was it was weird because i did address it and but it was such a strange i was like where do you think you are and that i was like this this is sort of fundamental and to what end to what end like what how, how did you get here first of all and also like like what did, what are you what are you doing you're in this middle-aged ladies art live stream uh, to do what? Like to scare people? And that's what the guy was like, you know, there's 200, we have 250 million guns. I was like, you don't, I'm not scared of you. I, you don't scare me. Like not because of bravado, honestly, but because like, uh, I, ha I grew up in a violent household. I, I know violence and I tend to know, I don't know. I just kind of feel like if it's coming, it's coming. And those of us who have been through some shit will be like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is what happens. You know, I, f I don't know. I feel not as terrified oh hi Mer. i don't know i just yesterday i just kind of felt like i just feel like violent or not scary or not you guys are fucking losers yeah. you know you're just a bunch of fucking oh, losers sure, who are losers. hopping into hopping into art live streams to scare people and harass people and i you know and afterward i looked up a few of them too and i like because you know, i just like looked at their profiles which hopefully we won't get those i muted them on the channel so hopefully we won't get those today oh, or more. any other day there's i'm sure there's they're a everywhere 250 billion also too he was like we have 250 billion guns okay well there are only like two thousand of you down there at the capitol <laughs> and yeah you like made a mess but like i feel like that's trump supporters think like they're are a lot more of them than there actually are and the reality is is they really they really stuck their foot in it on the six. And I feel like they took a lot of people who were maybe like not really paying that much attention in the last four years, which is wild behavior. But like, like moderates were like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It takes a lot to push a moderate to the point of finally being like, no, 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 no. But they did it. And I feel like you feel this shift happening now where before people were like tolerating the Trump stuff because there was like some intimidation and stuff. But now people are like mad you know and i think i don't know i just feel like there's been the even yesterday the guy who was like saying all that stuff when i called him out he's like well, i'm not threatening you i'm just telling you you should probably prepare i was like oh okay thanks thanks, <laughs> thanks for, for the, the note up, yeah hero. he was like you're one of us no definitely i'm not i'm not for sure uh it just it, it's also it was such a weird uh thing on the sixth when that happened i tweeted about it but i've been thinking about it so much about how like it really reminded me of 9-11 like sitting with my parents watching you know my my grandma died the night before 9-11 and we were all with her she died we sat with her body you know we all it was it was very sad and traumatic and um she died 
too young and it was it really really sucked and we were all there and then we went home went to bed at like four in the morning and my mom came in at seven and was like i think maybe we're under attack or something i'm not sure and i was like what are you talking about and she we all sat on the couch and watched that and it reminded me of that because the kids and i um we were just sitting we were kind of just like all hanging out in the morning and then i was like uh, I think something's going down and we should be watching the news because I was on Twitter and then I turned it on and we ended up like Henry had his head in my lap and Calvin was like leaning against me. Arthur, he he's 12. He was like, okay, let me know <laughs> what happens. He went to his room. But me and Calvin. Yeah, I asked Bodhi. I was like, do you know what was going on? Because he was at his mom's and he was and I said, you know, the thing at the Capitol and he was like, Ow. yeah. 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 <laughs> like no comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. There was an insurrection. I don't know. I don't know what that word is. I was even. like, you know, that's never, ever happened in the history of our country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was completely. Calvin and Henry were glued to it. Arthur, yeah. He, and he came out like three days later. He came out and he goes, Did you guys know there was like a terrorist attack at the Capitol or something? And I was like, Jesus Christ, man. And then I kind of sat down and like explained it to him and made him watch some stuff. But Calvin and Henry we were like glued to it. And I just kept thinking like this you know, both of my older boys are like coming of age. Like this is like, they're coming into their manhood. And I'm like, this is so weird that this is sort of like, like this is Calvin's junior year of high school. And this is like, you know, he had a pandemic and now he's watching this and he's like the Trump presidency is the only president really that they've known. Cause that's when high school is when you kind of really start to pay attention to that. And that's all they've really known. And and like just sitting there with them and and Henry was like, he was checking the news and stuff and showing me articles and it, it just, it was so surreal and so strange. And I was like, God, what a weird, what a weird time to come of age. You know, what a, what an interesting generation this will be because they're going to be beasts, Gen Z. I don't know. It was, it was just, it sucked. It sucked. And then yesterday when people are like yelling at you like that, it's just like, this is why everybody hates you. Everybody, yeah, you guys are what, 18% of the country, but literally everyone else in the country and the world hates your fucking guts because- For good reason. Because you're- Arbitrary hate. Yeah, because you're, you're racist horrendous. and you're bigoted and you're, you're assholes, but also you just like, you have to insert your bullshit into everything and ruin everything and- And it's not even a platform. It's not. That's what I just keep coming back to. What are you fighting for? Just, yeah. You're just fighting against. You're just fighting against. You're fighting against black people. Yeah. You're fighting against uh, the fact that you might get some insurance yeah. for your <laughs> elderly mother. Yeah. Like, are you really fighting against that? These like fighting against socialism, fighting Antifa. Like, what are you fighting against though? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like a couple of the guys in there who I looked, one was from Scotland, the other was from Russia. So I'm kind of like, I don't really know why you have a dog in this race, but okay. But like the two of them, like one of them kept being like, hail Trump, hail Trump. And I was like, that's so foreign to me and so gross. Like the idea that like, and, and honestly just lame. Like the idea that you would back any politician as if they were a celebrity or even a celebrity, honestly. Like, and that particular one? Yeah. Like that's, that's the horse you pick. You're gonna go. <laughs> and I, people, people who have been wrapped into his cult of celebrity and like. Which is so, it's just like the least appealing. That's what I don't get. It's like, he's not, he's not charismatic. He's not talented i think that that's what they like not, you know these are i don't know i don't understand the psychology behind it other than i think that 
maybe hate hateful people have looked for a hateful person to follow yeah and they found sure. someone who is just the epitome of all of that so yeah but it was just a weird thing and i hope i blocked anybody anybody who pops in on this one will do the same thing but it's never happened before and i was like okay well this is happening now we did have a question on the last great uh last live stream that i said i we hope would, we have an answer I, I think we will i think we both have good ones somebody asked and man i should have grabbed your name i'm so sorry i didn't grab your name whoever asked this question um what is the scariest experience you've ever had and I have an answer. If you need a minute to think, I have a very good answer. I actually have so many scary experiences. I, know, I was like, I was you like, want well, me to narrow it down to what? I was like, well, hmm, okay. Um, I, but I think that I decided to go with like my adult life, the scariest experience I ever had. And also I feel like a problem, an issue in my life has been not realizing something was scary until like 10 years later right. and telling the story to somebody and having somebody be like, Oh my gosh. Right. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, Oh, oh I see. That's terrifying. <laughs> when I'm saying it out loud, that is very bad. If you told me this story, I would call your therapist. Like I feel, I feel like a lot of times in the moment I, I just go into like, uh, I don't know, kind of like functional mode where I like don't feel anything and I just handle a situation. And like, I feel like I've been in a lot of scary situations where like during it, I felt totally calm, like a hundred percent calm. It was just like, oh, we better clean up all this blood and broken glass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I feel like I'm the best and, and I hope I don't have to be this person, but I am a really good person in crisis. I go into almost like slow motion. Yeah calm down uh decelerate everything in a crisis yeah um and then usually what happens is then i almost just like once it's over then i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god but it takes oh it's like i can't even process crisis when it's happening yeah so i just i just like okay this is what we need to do yeah you just function mine so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say mine like retroactively not a time when i was scared sure. I wasn't scared. I should have been terrified in the moment during this, but I wasn't. Was the birth of my first child. Uh, we, I was very young. We moved to Mississippi um, when I was seven months pregnant, which is wild behavior. Now I'm like, I like, didn't have a doctor lined up, didn't have anything. Moved down to deep south Mississippi for my ex-husband's work. And when we got down there, I tried to, I like, you know, it, we lived in a very small town down there and um, I went to the local hospital. They had one OBGYN and it was this man who just right away, like, I don't know, like one of those, like, uh, just creepy, just like, I got a really bad vibe from him. He, while he was doing my pelvic exam was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and schedule for a C-section because you're so small. Like, I just don't, I just don't feel like it's worth trying to have you do a natural birth. You're just, you're just so small boned. We're not going to bother with it. And I was like, no, like all the women in my family are small, but they've all had natural births. Like, you know, I'm not worried about it. And he was like, yeah, I'm not going to bother with it. So he scheduled me for a C-section. Then they walked me. I asked to do a tour of the hospital and they walked me through the hospital and it was literally like something out of a Saw movie. Like the lights were flickering. It was a very, very poor area the hospital like they they still put people under for a c-section instead of doing a spinal block they still put you all the way under um knocked you out and 
that the hall there was like dirty sheets in the hallway and it was like all lime green and flickering lights and I was like oh I die in this hospital so I was like that's okay um my family they're a bunch of hippies a lot of the women in my family have had babies with midwives so I shopped around and found I look I checked around and I you know read all the reviews and like did I did really good research and I found this midwife who was uh she was supposedly a nurse and she was 76 she was from Germany she had done this is all according to her thousands of births um you know just seemed very experienced when and of I'm, course this is really pre-internet pre-internet well yeah. and yeah like it was yeah like you could probably get on the internet but you wouldn't be able to you could get on yelp for, yeah for like i was midwives. able to i found her on the internet through like a list of midwives and like i did as much research as i possibly could through the internet but it wasn't like yeah you couldn't just like hop on a yelp review or whatever um so I met with her. I felt really, she had this like lovely little birth cottage outside of her house. And she had a tub and you could, you could give birth in the yard in this tub or inside in the tub. And it all seemed really great. She seemed so like knowledgeable and I was so comfortable with her. So I went into labor and um, now we know that Calvin was turned the wrong way. And so my labor like never really got going. Like I went, my water broke and then I like didn't start contractions for like 24 hours and so she brought me in and they like induced labor with some herb like black cohosh or something she was like we're just gonna induce to like get things going i still like i was kind of like not really having very big contractions not nothing was really happening um and she was like you know what that's fine let's just have you start pushing which now that i've had other kids and i've talked to other people is i know is crazy because my cervix wasn't fully dilated so you're trying to push a baby who's turned the wrong way out of your cervix when you're not ready to push and like so they just kept kind of feeding me this like inducement drug and trying to get me to push um i was in labor for 72 hours and most of that was actually just kind of like i was like i'm not really feeling a whole like i was having contractions but they weren't like really ramping up um but then finally i was actually i pushed for when it finally kind of really started going i pushed for seven almost seven hours and um calvin was turned the wrong way so he couldn't come out they had me laying in a bed which is very old school and she uh it was it was so like I remember it was so traumatizing and so horrible. And it's like one of those times, like I don't, I still as, as good as I am with telling stories and words, I've never super been able to like even articulate this one just because it's like, it's so, um, Sergi, Sirk. come here, come here, Sirk, come here, come on, come here. No, you can't bark during the podcast. You can't bark, honey. You can't bark during the podcast. Here, I'm he, like only barks during the podcast. That's like his um, thing. He's like, we're all out here. We're all making a bunch doing, of noise. Oh, we're yelling. Don't yell, please. We're but, trying to listen um, to the story. It's, it's so engaging. It's so at, at one point, so she was deeply religious. And at one point she, uh, so my husband at the time was like, um, I was passing out and coming in and out of consciousness. Sick. And she, he was like, we, uh, we need to call an ambulance. We need to call an ambulance. And she wouldn't, and she wouldn't let him. She was like, no, 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 no. We don't need to. We're fine. This is totally fine. This is totally normal, which it definitely wasn't. And she kept just being like, it's total. don't, you know, it's, we just got to And she started being like, we just need to start praying. So she and the, um, apprentice midwife and him stood over my body with their hands on my stomach praying and literally like the exorcist she was like i command in the name of jesus christ this baby to come out i command this baby to come out and i was 
I literally had like a near death like experience of like floating above my body watching all this happen and being like oh my god we die me and this baby die and she just kept like yelling and screaming and then finally she was like we realized and so the only reason Calvin is okay is because I had two bags of water. Like I'd had twins at some point possibly, or maybe I just had two bags of water. So she finally realized that I had, two, had another bag of water in the way, burst that and was able, and he was, the other one was able to come down. And um, then she gave me an episiotomy, no drugs, nothing, just like a ragged, jagged, uh, like a pirate giving you an episiotomy, which if you don't know is the, where they cut your taint essentially. And which made enough room that Calvin, even though he was flipped the wrong way, finally could come out. And luckily he was a fairly small baby. Um, and then I bled like crazy and it was all so traumatizing. So then like a week later, she was like, I think you should go in for stitches for this terrible episiotomy. And I went in and this, the doctor started like yelling at me and was when we told him what happened, was freaking out, was just like so upset and was like, that woman has almost killed like 20 women in our community. She's a complete fraud. She's not a real midwife. She's not a nurse. She has no training whatsoever. Turned out the woman was just like a crazy ex-Nazi. I'm making, I'm guessing that one because there was some st stories about growing up in Germany that were very like, now hang on, wait, we, you were where and when? Uh, but just like a woman who just, who like a pathological liar essentially. And uh, yeah, it was terrifying. So that's the scare at the time. I don't think I realized how traumatized I was from it until many, many, many years later when I was trying to tell the story to someone and I started shaking and I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is and my ex never got over it. Like he, even when we've talked about it now, he goes, he's like, I still, I can't talk about that. I can't talk about that when that happened. And you know, he's always like, I, I watched you guys like almost die. And it was so terrifying. So that's the scariest thing that ever happened to me was giving birth, uh, essentially in a crazy woman's bathtub in Mississippi. That's the scariest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. Well, it's hard to top that. I'm not going to try to be in competition with you, but I will tell the story of a pathological liar and when I almost died. So I was living in Tucson. I was dating this guy who was former military, current... I was hoping you'd tell this story. Uh, current um, uh, National Guard. Uh, everything that he told me is well i think he was in the national guard and i think he was military and i say that because i don't still know to this day what he told me uh whether it was true or not but um he worked at the army base in sierra vista which is south of tucson and so after we'd been dating like a year and he had frequently gone on these national guard trips where he would be incommunicado and unavailable to me and like wouldn't wouldn't answer his phone for an entire week or two weeks or whatever but he always would just say like it's the military um and so there was some like kind of s suspicious activity but because i never known anybody in the military i didn't really pick up on it um but anyway so he uh decided that he was going to buy a house and we were going to move to this town that was kind of between the two towns that we were living in and so we did that and it was this like massive house out in the middle of nowhere and it was just the two of us and he 
it was like a 5,000 square foot house. He had this huge house payment. He had a boat payment. He had a truck payment. I worked at a nonprofit, so I was not contributing that much, but I was contributing somewhat. Um, and then we had lived there for about a month when he lost his job. He lost his job as a military contractor in Sierra Vista. And he fucking panicked. Like, this is another one of those situations where I'm always like, how is this person this little prepared for adversity? Mm -hmm. But he was not. And so he just completely pulled away, like wouldn't talk to me, like locked himself in his office for days on end. He, um, and I was just like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, how can we plan? Like, where could you get a job? Do we need to think about moving? Do we need about selling the house? And he just like, couldn't figure it out. And so then he started to like, be like, well, what we really need to do. And this is, this is the part where everybody's like, how is that even real? <laughs> but he decided that according to him, he needed to like up the things on his resume so that he would be more appealing as a job candidate. And so like he got his ham radio license. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that detail. It's my favorite part. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, he, yeah. and he bought us a group on to learn scuba diving. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I was just trying to like shepherd him through this life crisis, like the best way that I knew how. So I was very agreeable and like, okay, yeah, I had no interest in scuba diving, <laughs> but I took the class with him. And then he's, then they said at the class, uh, well, we need, you have to get certified. You have to actually go and do like all the scuba certifying stuff. And we're living in Tucson. So we're going to go to Mexico. And so we planned this whole trip to go to Mexico and get our scuba certification. And he is still like this whole time completely distant from me, like will not have a conversation with me, just like stares off into the middle distance all the time. And I'm just kind of like dancing around like, well, I hope this this is, you know, maybe if we go to Mexico and have this nice vacation, he'll relax a little bit, which, of course, he didn't. So we go to Mexico um, just as a, we're like leaving the driveway. One thing that, that I remembered later was we're just pulling out of the driveway and he used, he had this big white pickup truck that had where you keep your sunglasses. And he used to have like 10 pairs of sunglasses. Like he was the guy that had like all his shit organized. And he like reached up to get sunglasses and there was no sunglasses. And so he ran back in the house to get sunglasses. So we go to Mexico and I have the worst time getting scuba certified because I have sinus problems and I can't clear the pressure in my head. So I keep having to go down with the instructor to try and do all the things that you're supposed to do, but I can never go on like a private dive, which is like the one thing that he was intent on doing. Like, well, we have to go and we're going to go do this dive and we're going to go do this dive. But um, I didn't get certified till the very end. So we couldn't go on any private dives alone. We, it's like over Labor Day weekend, we uh, drive home. It takes hours and hours and hours to cross the border. So we don't get home until it's dark. And when we get home, we pull up to the house and there's water 
coming out of the house. Like, this is the desert. This is Tucson. There is water, like, all in front of the garage and the front door and just coming out of everything. There's just water everywhere. And I can't even comprehend this. This, like, doesn't even make any sense. So we, like, rush into the house. He rushes into the kitchen. There's probably four, three to four inches of standing water in the house. He run, immediately runs into the kitchen, pulls the fridge out, and the little hose that uh, for the water that for the water to make the ice and the ice maker uh, is just gushing water. And so we'd been gone three days, and the entire house is 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 a disaster, and like we can't even live there. And I realized not until much later. Well, so we both move out. I moved back to Tucson. He moves back to Sierra Vistas because we had to be closer to our jobs. And at one point he says, there's a insurance adjuster coming and I can't make the appointment. Will you meet with the insurance adjuster? And so I meet the insurance adjuster and I show him the damage or like where the water was coming from. Thirk. Okay. <laughs> and he pulls the refrigerator away from the wall and I show him the hose and I realize that Ken cut the hose. Like Ken did that. It wasn't like... Yeah, it didn't break. It didn't break. It wasn't an accident. Like he did that for the insurance money. And so that was kind of the... Like we had already realized like that we weren't going to be together anymore because he was just so incapable of, of living uh, with any sort of uncertainty. And he just like freaked out. He was terrible. He was terrible. And so once I realized that after the insurance adjuster left, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to look around a little bit. And so his office was open and he was the guy that always locked his office. Like I wasn't allowed in his office. Hello, red flag. If you're with somebody and you're not allowed in their office and you live in the same home, unacceptable. Um, and I found an insurance certificate uh, taken out on my life because his plan was we're going to go to Mexico and we're going to go on a scuba dive and she's going to not going to come back. Yeah. He had fully planned to murder me. Oh, yeah. In Mexico. Yeah. How much was it for? I don't remember. I feel like I feel like when you I mean, you told me this story 10 years ago. I don't yeah. even remember when it was. I feel like it was like for like a hundred grand. It was low enough yeah, that I, I was, was like, say, I think it was like a hundred. It was like a hundred grand. I was like, he was going to murder you for a hundred grand. Well, what's amazing is he totally got away with it in terms of the insurance fraud on the, for house, the house. Yeah, because he was former military and he so so he had this USAA insurance and they didn't ask any questions at all they wrote him a huge check well here's the thing i lived in the home i wasn't on the insurance i got zero dollars for everything that i lost mm -hmm. i lost furniture i lost clothing i lost everything he didn't give me a dime from that insurance settlement and so 
I think he would have gotten away with it. Yeah. And yes, it is. I mean, maybe he took it out for $100,000 thinking that it wouldn't be suspicious or something. Yeah, maybe. But what are the chances that, like, you go on this vacation and your girlfriend dies and your house also... Yeah, and nobody would be like, hmm, and also you just lost your job. So no, we ha this isn't, the story hasn't even finished it because then you found out. Well, so the whole time we, we were dating, he would go away and be gone and wouldn't be in communication. And he had had this uh, ex-girlfriend that named Maggie who uh, would send gift gifts and things and i was always like why are you you know why are you still in contact with maggie or she would call and i would see that she had called and so it turns out he didn't have a ex-girlfriend named maggie he had a current girlfriend named maggie he had a double life he had a double life and he was like one time we went to boston for a week and he was there for work and it turned out that she had been there the entire week before, staying at the same hotel, eating at the same restaurants, going to the same like tourist attractions. So he was officially living a double life. <laughs> and tried to murder you. Then tried to murder me. But lucky for Maggie, um, they got married. Oh, good. Yeah. That's nice. But I was like, why would you why would you do this? This is so complicated and requires so much Yeah. So anyway. much extra stress, you know, that extra house, all that. Like, what an idiot. What an idiot. But from this story, we did get something that I really appreciate. And that is your uh, trademark phrase, lost it in the flood. <laughs> lost it in the flood. Because when I was going through my breakup, I was like, that motherfucker has my my dishwasher, my washer and dryer, my uh, freezer, my extra refrigerator. And I was like, I want all that shit back. And you were like... Nope, it's not worth it. It's not worth the interaction. It's not worth the fight. You lost it in the flood. You lost it in the flood. There's I, still things to this day that I'm that I that I'll like remember and then think, where is that? And then I'm like, oh, I lost it in the flood. Yeah, because we had just moved into the house. So much of what was in the house was just boxes. And if boxes sit submerged for three days, like everything yeah. was a loss. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, Cirque. Hey. Oh, just neighbors. Just neighbors. Just neighbors. No, no, no. Um, Honey, sir, come on. Man. Are we gonna have to put you inside? Hey, all right, okay, come on. What a bummer for you, sir. Quiet, please. When did when was the time you felt most scared? Right now? Right, right now? now? He's so scared. <laughs> I just, I, I really think that that's such good advice in a breakup, and it really did save me so many, like, because. Because that stuff is replaceable. A lot of it, some of it isn't. Some of it, like you lose stuff. But like my old, my high school yearbooks, I don't. Yeah. Know. No. Oh my. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's not replaceable. But some, you know. But it's like I think in a breakup, you can start to get very like hyper fixated on like, well, that was my blah blah blah, and I want that back. And instead, it was so helpful for me to just be like lost in the flood and not interact with that person basically ever again you know and i was not lost in the flood yeah which is the other part of that statement yeah that was that's important because really i could have lost everything 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 yeah and all i just lost was some stuff just some stuff i mean i did flee for my life i did move out of the entire state and for years I would see a white, which is terrible in Idaho, a white Ford pickup, and I would just break out in a cold sweat. I would yeah. have a panic attack because I thought for sure he was going to come for me. You know, when somebody like 
wants to kill you, um, I, he wouldn't have killed me for the insurance money, but because I knew everything yeah. about him. Yeah. Like, I knew what he'd done. And uh, so I was terrified that he would eventually come for me. Yeah. But... I'm so I'm so happy you finally got to tell that story on the podcast. <laughs> I've been hoping it would come up organically because that's kind of how we met as you told that story for the storytelling program that I used to work for. And that was in coaching you through it. I was like, this person's incredible and we need to be friends. But no, actually, the story that I told was oh, that's how right. I ended up in Tucson, which, that's is, right. another which is another story. Oh, <laughs> well, you're right. It was like the precursor <laughs> to that story, the ep the prologue to that. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. Well, we have we have a lot of good shit to get through because that and is that also wasn't amazing. that wasn't a scary story. Although now that I look back, I'm like, I couldn't do I couldn't do what I did then. No, uh, because but I. I almost drowned again on Labor Day, which was the other story that I was thinking about telling for the scariest thing that ever happened to me, which was I got caught in a riptide oh. uh, off the coast of Oregon and could not, could not get back to shore. And it was like a foggy day. It was Labor Day weekend, foggy day out in the ocean for, I don't know, half hour, 45 Jesus. minutes until... Um, and just like, I was so weak <laughs> that I was like, there's, I can't even keep swimming. I couldn't even keep my head above water. Um, and finally my sister finally realized that something was really wrong and they had like an inflatable kayak and were able to come oh out and get me. And that beach where that happened to me every single year, people die Yeah, from getting caught in these tides it's like it's not a riptide it? it's a undercurrent yeah um were you swimming when it happened or were you just standing i was swimming okay no i went out too far and then uh the tide was going out and i couldn't i couldn't come back and so i was swimming with all my power and now i know what you do which is you swim parallel to the you know, of course, I did a bunch of research after the fact, <laughs> but the fact that I didn't die, the fact that they had this like inflatable kayak, um, which is never something we've had at the beach before or since. Yeah. So just luck that one time. Yeah. But that's the that's, that's the, why I don't swim in the ocean. <laughs> no, man, don't do it. I weighed I weighed out to about <laughs> chest. But even when we were in Hawaii, everybody we were all swimming. Um, I when I went with that one time with uh, all those comedians for that weird show uh, shows, um, we were like everybody else was swimming. And I was like, I'm gonna stay right here where I can still touch like when like when the waves go up, I can't touch when they come down, I can. Yeah. And I was just like, No, I'm not. I'm not a strong swimmer i know my limits so yeah I, I i am a strong swimmer and i still feel like people need to have a much more serious uh feeling or you know about this the power of yeah. nature yeah because i don't fuck around with the ocean no. <laughs> i'm very love like, with the yep, ocean waiting is it for me yeah pay attention to those uh tide tables um well, that whoever asked that question, that was a great prompt. That was such a fun way to <laughs> story prompt. Yeah, good story prompts. Um, and that's the first time I've ever actually really told that ca the Calvin that's birth so story. Nuts. Yeah, I had no idea. I I feel like I'm not. I almost kind of didn't do a good job, uh, like explaining the compelling, like being prayed over, and uh, it's just was it a lot. Was it was a lot. I kind of didn't throw in a lot of the details because it was just it was just like so traumatizing. 
And it's, it is, yeah. Uh, so thank you for I that mean, question. That was great. Childbirth isn't already traumatizing. Super traumatizing. Especially even if it's your first child yeah. in a foreign place where. No, no loved ones with me. Right. It's my ding dong ex husband who was not an emotionally supportive person, you know, like just alone. Like I think now, like poor young Emma, just like in Mississippi giving birth with a bunch of strangers and I some ding dong. You know? I mean, I, I'm, I probably am not reacting like I should be because I'm you've paralyzed me with fear <laughs> and all i'm just thinking is oh my god i never wanted to have children thank god i didn't have children that kind of thing is is what scared me off children yeah it and rightly so it's wild because like you know we had two more kids after that and i'm like how did we do that like how i think honestly like i, I blocked it out so it was so traumatizing i just never really thought about it again until like 15 years later when i was like oh that is that was bad that was bad yeah it's wild too because like I um I was reading this book um that was not about this but it had this whole section of it on uh Mormonism sort of like the Mormon exodus from Missouri to Utah and specifically it was talking about this one woman who tried to run away because she didn't want to marry one of Brigham Young's um nephews who tried to run away and then they caught her and made her come back and she ended up committing suicide because she was like no I'm not I'm not doing this. And I was like, literally, those were your only options for women yeah. is you can either have a bunch of kids uh, you don't want with someone you didn't ask to have children with or suicide. Those were your options in the 1800s, basically. And like the idea of having kids that I want, wanted and love and adored, still childbirth was not worth that. Still, it wasn't. <laughs> and maybe, you know, I had three natural childbirths, which I absolutely would not do now. I understand <laughs> it's better for the baby. I don't care. I don't care. That's wild behavior. The, the Like the idea that I was able to put up with that much pain. And a lot of times women like my sister who gave, she's given birth. Her baby was 13 pounds. She's in labor literally for 15 minutes, my stepsister. 15 whole minutes. Well, at that point, it just falls out, She right? just sneezed Bowling that baby ball. out. Yeah, she was just like, Hoo! and he was out. And I was like, each of my kids, I was in labor for a really long time. It was really painful. It was horrific, and I couldn't do it again. I just could not do it again. They're I not, couldn't even do it once. They are not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I love them, but nothing is worth that kind of pain. And that's how I feel as I've gotten older. <laughs> and kind of more wimpy, I guess. Like, I feel like my pain tolerance as I've gotten older has gone way, way down. I used to be very My cousin tough. just gave birth yesterday after three days of labor. Oof. And she is in her mid-40s. Oh, dear God. And has had two, two, two other children. And I just, no. I was just on pins and needles and just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Like, I cannot sympathize with her because I have not given birth to, to a child, but I was just so sympathetic to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't even imagine, I you can't poor thing. I, I, after having had kids, I've only gone to one birth after that i went oh, and saw my just even knowing it's happening makes me worried yeah i went and saw my nephew be born but for the most part i'm just like thank you so much for asking i never need to see that again the, it's a miracle but it's a horrifying miracle like what my nephew when he was coming out i was like i hate this i hate it oh god it's horrible uh and my sister did not have it my sister none of my stepsisters had hard births uh Small bones, I guess, over here, like that Mississippi doctor. I, I was I not wrong. really lucky that I have never been present 
for any births other than a, like, uh, other than a baby cow once <laughs> um i do feel like every straight man should be required to uh attend a birth because if you are capable of inseminating someone um then you definitely should have to go and watch the outcome of that i feel like anybody who's seen a birth is immediately pro-choice you're immediately like oh, okay i saw i saw dave tells the story of Bodie's birth once a month <laughs> i love that yeah. dave is so cute yeah he he it was it made a big impression on yeah. him yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh during my second birth uh and this is something i've, I've always i should have told the story during my second birth uh my husband uh i was outside walking up and down this path and um he was inside talking to the midwives and i saw the midwife hand him um, this way, and this these were midwives, but they were nurse midwives, and they were across the street from a hospital, so it was very safe. They did very few transfers, but they knew what they they were much more on it. Um, and uh, I watched the midwife hand him a popsicle, and then point like, "Oh, go bring that to Emma." And it was so it was dark. It was like four or five in the morning. It was dark, so I could see him. He couldn't see out the right. window, <laughs> and he unwrapped it and he ate it. <laughs> both sides he ate both sides it was a doubler he ate both sides just like nah, nah, nah. and i was like he just ate my pop you just ate and that should have been enough to know like anybody who eats your popsicle Maybe while you're in labor yeah and then i still did i still did but after that one arthur was the most painful one weirdly he was so painful and it kind of took me a minute to even bond with him for after he was born because he felt like he was made of broken glass and barbed wire. And I was like, I don't like this one. This one, like when he, like the first couple hours when he came out, I was like, no, thanks. Nope. I, that hurt too much. I don't care for it. And you know, very quickly he, I was like, okay, fine. He smells great. And he's so cute. But, uh, yeah, say so it was kind of the same. And that one I had wanted to do a water birth so bad because my my stepsisters had all had water births and they were like that's why your births hurt so much you need to do it in the water and i was like okay but instead i turned into a wild feral beast and i locked myself in the bathroom and wouldn't let anybody come in and ever they were like sweetie honey you need to come out and let us check you and i'm like <laughs> and i would not come out of the bathroom and i would have had him on the toilet but they finally they went they got the key they unlocked the door and kind of like coaxed me out and got me in the tub. But I remember feeling like a wild animal, like the water, I was like, <laughs> and I couldn't get in the water and I kept trying to climb out of the tub, like away from my own body. You're loving this, I can tell, <laughs> I can tell you're loving it. And I ended up giving birth, standing up, trying to climb the wall, literally like getting, trying to get away from everybody. Cause like everybody's touching you and trying to get you to like come back to the birth bed and stuff. I ended up giving birth standing up and um, Raleigh caught Arthur like a football because he, nobody was I was nobody knew that I was ready to give birth because I'd locked myself in the bathroom for so long. So, yeah, that was a fun one, too. And I uh, so I wonder what the biological reason for difficult birth is. I mean, I know I, I've heard that it's related to like the large head size. It's a large head size. And also once we stood up, so animals that have um i don't know are on four legs essentially even chimpanzees and stuff um 
you have a much easier birth just the way your hips are shaped. But once we stood up and became upright and also we've got big heads, our births became incredibly laborious and hard. There are all these books and midwives who believe that it's, you know, that stress is what makes it hurt and that if you're just relaxed, it won't hurt. But I did all that. I prepped. I did the, I did, you know, the breathing training and the muscle relaxed stuff. And, and I really, and I was not afraid of giving birth and still it hurt like because I just listened to everything. some podcast about orangutans and they're like like you they, they don't even know that it's happening like yeah. if an orangutan gives birth yeah it's like it's just like beep. it's the trade-off that we made that's the even the apple story you know basically we were like do we want big heads or do you want to shit out a kid and we went I don't know have you seen an orangutan how big their head is that's true that's true that's very, I feel like that doesn't hold up. To no, science. it doesn't. I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think it was worth it. Whatever we traded, it was not worth it in my uh, in my experience. That's why when my kids are being shits, I'm like, do you have any idea? And I will like occasionally would be like, I almost because Henry, I I bled out. I hemorrhaged really really bad with Henry, and they couldn't get the bleeding to stop. I was almost transferred to the hospital. Luckily, they were able to eventually get it stopped. Um, so I'm always like, I almost died bringing you how how dare you and they don't care they aren't in the least bit affected by that maybe once they watch their own partners give birth they'll be much nicer to me they need to go see a birth that's what needs to happen <laughs> that's what needs to happen in high school yeah yeah in high school every <laughs> everybody should have to go see a birth and just be like jesus christ that was but it has to be someone that they that's in their life that they care about Calvin, one thing I will say, because Calvin was sunny side up, which babies are supposed to be faced down, facing down. And that actually does make for a much easier birth. Calvin was sunny side up. And I do remember uh, she was like, just, you know, like one more push, one more push. And I remember leaning forward and we made eye contact as he came out of my body. You're not the same person after you've made <laughs> eye contact with a person coming out of your own body. That is a different human being for the rest of your life. You're like, okay. Yeah, it was a real moment. Yeah, you're so horrified and you're so right. But it was. And he was born, um, you know, Calvin was so different as a baby. He was born like, interesting, I see. Like he made eye contact. He didn't cry. He was just kind of like immediately very alert. I remember she kind of like roughed him up a little to get him to cry to clear his lungs. And he was kind of like, hey, uh-uh. <laughs> it was very... He was such a from the moment. Bodhi, I guess like he was so lazy that he didn't even want to breathe. Oh, That's nice! He, just, mm. about him. he kept like falling asleep and not breathing, and oh, they'd have God. to like pinch him so that he would wake up. Yeah, That's and like terrifying. That's about right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Calvin too lazy to breathe. Too lazy to breathe. <laughs> Henry was three weeks late, and he was big. Oh he was God. a big boy. Yeah, and he was he was he was easier than Calvin, but still, man, it sucks. I don't ever need to do it again i don't ever need to when when alex and i got pregnant i was about half thrilled because i love kids and i love having babies and ha the other half of me was like i cannot fucking do this i physically cannot go through it again and it was you know then it turned out a miscarriage just as bad just as bad so i got to do it again so that's nice anyway what'd you guys do for new year's no <laughs> we were here on new year's weren't we what, would, what did you do we were here new year's eve right and then, um, and then I don't remember. I think you were here New Year's Eve. Yeah, we, we were here. I was here New Year's Eve. And then what did you do New Year's Day? Were you 
Did you do you do anything to celebrate? Say, I'm not much of a New Year's Eve person. I kind of end up. I, I usually loathe New Year's Eve. Yeah, but and I loathe New Year's because I just I'm so done with the holidays and so yeah. done like getting excited and getting ramped up. And I I could care less. We went to bed at like nine thirty. I think we watched the Pink Martini online concert, which actually I loved. I loved it. I don't know. It's because I've been trapped in my house for a year. Yeah. And I haven't seen any live music, but they did a really, really good job. They had like split screens and they had all these guests. They're getting good at that stuff. So good. Really good. And the music was just right because uh, it was really upbeat. And uh, but then we went to bed. I usually do have a bunch of traditions for like food yeah. to make on New Year's, you know, good luck foods. And then I was like, well, we did that every other year and it's always not worked out. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out you did that on 2019, (laughs) the eve of 2020. And yeah, so I usually do like longevity noodles Mm -hmm. and collard greens and black eyed peas and like all this bullshit. Did none of it this year. So then um, Dave decided he was going to make tasso, which you probably had when you lived in the South. It's like a smoked pork bacon thing so he bought a smoker i saw the, the smoker over there and uh it spent it took three days Oof. to make this tasso and then we did like a tasso hash with like 12 different kinds of vegetables and two different kinds of sauces and it was so much work and it was so mediocre really it was like the worst meal oh no and usually we spend, I mean, it wasn't his fault. He did, well, he, the tasso turned out extremely salty. Oh. So then we had to like not salt anything else. And then the meat was still so salty that we actually rinsed it off. Yikes. W- yeah. Underwater. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we spend a lot of time making elaborate meals and doing three day projects, food projects. And so I don't know what exactly went wrong, but it was such I don't know that I've had, I've had tass- good tasso maybe once, but yeah, a lot of times what I, it's I'd have, I would be real salty. Real salty. And it was I really just kind of gotten unlucky. too fatty. Yeah. And then I'd gone all the way out to Caldwell to Cliffs and gotten really good veg. Oh man. So it was a bummer. And I was just like, oh, I fucking hate 2021 already. <laughs> uh, we tried to start it out right, um, not really on purpose, but like Alex, uh, he'd been feeling really frumpy and stuff. So he went up and like trimmed his beard and took a shower and came down. And he was dressed really nice. And I was like, what? Oh, we're oh we're doing this? Okay. So I went up, did the whole thing. Like eyebrows, you know, tr- trimmed my bangs, you know, did the whole thing and, and got all hotted up too. We dressed really nice. Uh, we ended up having sex on the kitchen table. Very hot sex. It was very nice. Then we watched a movie. Then we went upstairs and I was like, you know what? We ha- I haven't, you know, I haven't like felt sexy in so long, but just kind of like cleaning up kind of did it. And I was like, I'm going to do the whole thing. Like I'm going to, a 2021, we're going to bring it in right. So I put on lingerie and like sexy, like hot, hot stiletto boots. And it was such a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> such a disaster. It was so funny that it was like, uh, it, oh God. So I like told Alex, like, go away from me in the bedroom. And I got like super sexed up, like hot, you know, like off the full business, all of it and got like super tarted and then came out and was very like, you know, like, hello. And he was like, Ooh. And I came over and we kind of started like kissing and fooling around. And right away I was like, okay, 
uh, I've done something that did I've you done. Say Merry Christmas. I did. We <laughs> tried that. You know, there's. A, I was Happy like, hold New on, because it was so awkward, and so I was like, hang on. I'll put on music. So I like went and put on music and then I'm like, okay, hang on. I'm going to light some candles. Like I kept trying to like, maybe it's a, I kept being like, maybe it's a circumstantial issue. Um, and, and we were kind of like kissing and stuff. And then I, it was so, it just like did not work and it was just ended up being so awkward. And of course for me, I was like, it's because I look ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm not in the as great a shape as I used to be, and I was like, it's because I like all of the stuff that looked amazing I can on me. You that has no bearing on his I, reaction. I know, to you. I know, and but like <laughs> to me, I went immediately to insecurity, where I was like, it's probably because you put all this shit on, and he's like, oh, oh god, so oh god. But so I stopped, and I was like, okay, I'm feeling like very awkward, and I feel like maybe it's because like I don't look very good in this stuff and he was like no 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 it's because you look so hot and then I'm just wearing a Wonder Woman t-shirt <laughs> he was like because he had changed he had looked really nice before but then he changed his like pajamas and then I come out in like full lingerie and like dom boots and he's like oh he <laughs> was like I just don't know what to do I just am wearing a Wonder Woman t-shirt and I feel like an asshole we should have a beforehand. he was like yeah he was like next time when you dress up like give me a heads up so that I can also like maybe put on something nice or even just get naked uh it's fine and I was like yeah I should have like been like I'm I'm putting on things in here <laughs> because he just said he was like so shocked also I just feel like we used to go dancing all the time and we would all, whenever we would go dancing, we we would go with the same group of friends all the time down to the balcony or wherever. And, um, our friends would always be like, Oh my God, you guys, you guys are just fucking out on the dance floor. We're gross. We're like, both of us are very good dancers and you know, we would get sexy and stuff and it would just be like foreplay. Not that we were like disgusting, but they would be like, "Ugh, now we know what you look like having sex. Cause you guys are gorgeous together, whatever. And it always made like, it felt like very natural and very sexy. And I felt like this is, this is, Oh, Oh, sorry, sir. I felt very like in my laundry, like, yeah. okay, here we go. I felt so, I feel like I don't remember how to dance or move or be sexy. Like I felt so ridiculous. We had like a reset and then, and then it was fine after that because we were kind of like, okay, and I was like, I'm sorry, I've put all this pressure on by putting on high heels. Also, high heels. I mean, we've talked about this, but Can't these these were not like it. wedges. OK, these are I own this amazing pair of uh, leather. Like they're like all really tight boots and they have like a stiletto. They're very dormy. They're so hot. Um, but I put them on and I was like. I was like, came out of the bathroom and I was like, oh, no, I cannot walk in these. And I was trying to make my way to them like. Hello. <laughs> it was such a disaster. The whole thing, top to bottom. So that's how I started out 2021, just like uh, humiliated. <laughs> See, I keep wanting to put effort into things and, you know, really be thoughtful about stuff. And I am so exhausted after doing that that I can't even stay awake. Like, it was not my intention to go to bed at 9.30 in the, at night on New Year's Eve. But, like... I was just floored. I just couldn't yeah. do it anymore. It's yeah. like I can't get my uh, stamina back yeah. for life. Like I'm so used to just being like sleep, sleep. Yeah. That even, you know, exercising and coffee and all that stuff, I just tank. Oh, for sure. Like um, yesterday I um went ran some errands visited my parents came back did two podcasts right in a row and afterward i was like 
I was I was like, I'm a wreck. And I'm like, I used to get up at 4.30, travel all day, go do two shows, get up in the morning, drive seven hours, do it again. And I would do that for two weeks at a time. And now I'm like, oh man, I talked to my parents and then two other people and I'm just really spent. Seriously. <laughs> I was like so I, tired. Day, I like got gas, picked up my grocery order, went to the library, took a walk and I was like, Ooh, I am so That's done. it for the day. <laughs> yeah. I, and then I think about my life and I was like, that was like, one little infinitesimal part of yeah. my life. We're French now. This is how the French live. You know, Do they're it. just like, we're going to have to really like, once we got to go back to everything, we're going to have to really like gradually increase. Yeah. Like today you're going to add one more time. You're going to try one. Cause I, I can't do it. Yeah. I've tired. been the same. Um, I got really mad at Dave because we haven't watched, we don't watch very much TV. We don't watch shows. We don't watch movies, but we finally started a new series, which is Killing Eve. Have you oh my that? God. I'm obsessed with Killing Eve. Love Obsessed. It. It's so great. And so we watched like the first season, like one or two episodes a night. And then it was, I think New Year's Day, um, we watched one episode and then I was like, I have to go to bed because I'm, I have to go to bed and I have to read something so that I can clear my brain out. And then I was just done. And I woke up at 1230 and he was still watching <gasps> the show. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. I told him. Oh, I, was, I like stormed out there. I oh. was like, what are you doing? You start a show as a couple and then he and just, he's like, I just kept watching it. I was like, no. you are not allowed. No, we no, haven't no, no. had a show that we watched together in like a year. No. Since no. Shit's Creek. No. We haven't watched that. He's together. in big trouble. That's big trouble right That's there. That's what I thought. Yeah. And we haven't watched it since. Yeah. You I was know like, what? I, the other night, I was like, well, you could go in and watch your murder show. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I would. That's what I would do. I, would I was so furious. Stay salty. I yeah. was so furious. Yeah. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't know why. You know Everything what? I do is wrong. Everything I do is wrong. Yeah. When you, yeah, when you do a <laughs> wrong thing, it's wrong. Ding dong. That rhymed, but it's still, I'm that's standing what I by thought. it. Okay. I Yo, thought you're sure right about honest. that. No, that's unforgivable. Alex, Alex, he would know better, honestly, because he, well, I, he I feel would, like Dave did know better and he, he did. did it anyway. And also, honestly, would have been furious with you if you had done the same. Like if you were like, oh, exactly. while you were at work, like, I watched. I'm here all day. Yeah. I could have just watched the whole thing. The whole, you know, the only way you can have revenge for that is by ruining it for him. <laughs> is by watching the whole thing and being like <laughs> sitting next to him and telling him she dies. She dies. It's very sad. She shoots her. Well, it kind of ruined the, the show season. for me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's like a nice, it's fun to watch things as a couple. Yeah. Um, and there's very few things like we just can't get in the, in the groove of watching a show. And I think just psychologically right now, there's yeah. nothing that's that appealing. It's like everything is so outside of what our lives are. I have a show for you and I'm so excited because you're going to love it. It's my parents. My mom has been like, Sweetie, did you watch that show I told you about? And I've been like, I wonder if it's no, be the no. Same show my mom's always talking about. Um, no, she's obsessed with it. Uh, it's called Escape to the Chateau. Oh my god! Is Emma. it the same? It's the exact same show. <laughs> no, your mom's telling you to watch Escape to the Chateau. Okay, well, guess what? Your mom and my mom That's are right. Amazing. I started watching it. That is incredible. Uh, I'm my going to been... show you just to prove this that my mom has texted me multiple times oh about this show. My mom, so every time we're talking about something, she's like, well, we were watching Escape to the Chateau and then she'll describe the entire plot to me again. And then she'll be like, I think you'd like it. He's an engineer. She's so cute. Oh, she's so crafty. You would love it. They have two little kids. So cute. Um, 
Yep, Escape to the Chateau. I love how they always say it's on Channel 4, too. They always, my mom's always like, it's on PBS right now. I'm like, I love this show. So if you have energy, turn it on. Yeah. My mom Thursday, t- 7 p.m., Escape to the Chateau on Fort. Would love to share it with you. Uh, my mom took, my mom takes a picture. And then she's called me about it. You know how they send, they send you like the magazine, like ITV uh, yeah. guide? My mom will take a picture to show me the guide. And I keep being like, so we don't have like regular TV. Right, we watch everything streaming, but thank you. Okay, well, I started, we started watching it what last is it night. On? It's, uh, it is on, I think it was on Apple TV. Okay, we have Apple TV. Um, but we started watching it and our moms are right. Okay. What a delight. It is so fun. It is, uh, it's adorable. And it, you would love it because she's super into vintage stuff. They're fixing That's up this chateau. <laughs> it is. I was like, I have to tell Jocelyn about escape to the chateau. And I texted my mom. I was like, we are obsessed with this show now. We cannot stop watching it. And it's so, it's so fun too, because, um, the guy is super handy, man. Like I, I have so much respect for fixers. I love mm. a fixer. Somebody who like Alex is very like that, where you can be like the, he- the door thingy is hangy. It's doing a thing. And he'll just go and like, he'll figure it out, whatever it is. He'll just figure it out. And I love that. And he, the husband's very like that. And the wife is so like, she's really artistic and creative. And yeah. So my, I'm with your mom. Watch that show. I'm, that's so funny. And uh, I'm always so dismissive when my, whenever my mom yeah. suggests something. I'm just like, I'm not. Although I think really the last thing that she ever recommended that I watch was The Sopranos. And I was like, how can the show be good if yeah. my mom likes it? Yeah. You know, I never watched that. I never picked. I, it's always been one of those. that I, I loved it. I think I think it was the right time for that show. I yeah. don't know that I would love it now, but I did love it then. No, actually. Yeah, she loved that show and they loved Six Feet Under. And that was I another did love one that was excellent. Under. So they do have good taste. So I just don't want to give credence to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the same woman that told me this election cycle. Well, both candidates are bad. I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, you're like both candidates. You're both are bad. right and wrong. So I don't have the energy to get into exactly why. But so I can't watch Escape to the Chateau. Yeah. Yeah. You think both candidates are bad. Yeah. So clearly, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, um, please watch it for me. Do it for me. Okay, I will. Do you remember now when I can't back, watch my murder show back when we used to do uh, um, the podcast before we always did a who do you hate? Yeah. Yes. Um, I have one. Really? Yeah, and it is. Listen, it's shit talky. It's. I'm gonna stir. I'm here for this. Some shit. Let's okay. Do it. I'm do. I'm throwing down some local Boise shit stirring right now. Cause you know who I fucking hate? Michael Deeds. Really? Michael Deeds. <laughs> I hate. Him. Michael Deeds. I hate him. Okay. <laughs> I've hated him for so long. He writes the entertainment. S- piece things to do this weekend yeah he he reviews restaurants and shit and um he uh okay number one never has ever covered a single female comedian always Mm -hmm. like always covers whatever schmo dustin diamond is in town literally is like dustin diamond's in town (laughs) who does have stage four cancer and i feel bad because honestly like what a what a life to have lived you know (laughs) that's rough uh, Nothing to recommend it. I, he yeah. was the first person I was supposed to open for. Dustin Diamond was like my first feature set. And they were like, you're opening for Dustin Diamond. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was so nervous. And then he broke his foot kicking a car, getting into a fight. And I opened for Andy Kindler instead, which was lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was much better. Um, but Michael Deeds recently, my mom sent me an article and said, sounds like there's a comedy club opening up in Caldwell, which if you're not from this area is wild. Like... 
People think of well, Boise. Caldwell has done a like 180 in the yeah. last five years. And and it's in terms it's of like it's really clearly going to be a huge place. Yeah. I totally get it. But I think people think of like when they think of um, there, you know, there are a lot of cities where like the the outlying burgs are really just the same city. But we are not there yet. In 10 years. No. Caldwell and will be. When I, I went to high school in Caldwell. And when I moved there, uh, the downtown, which had, you know, in the 1800s been very vibrant, was literally only pawn shops. Yeah. I had never even seen a pawn shop. And it was like pawn shop, pawn shop, pawn shop. Yeah. It was, it was a dump. And, and they, they have had turned it around. over the creek, yep. the Indian Creek that runs through town. And they've really spent big time money and Big time investment, uh, community development, community. Development. They are really trying to make it cute down yeah. there, and they're, and they're doing a good job. Yeah, and um, and I do think city wise, it will be. Oh, for sure. In 10, Eventually. 15 years, yeah. it'll it'll be its own it'll be its own thing for sure. And we're not there yet, but so they opened uh, a comedy club in San Diego called Great American is opening a club here, and Michael Deeds did an article on it, which after years of trying to get him to write about the festivals, about comedy for about two hundred eight, about any of the comedians that we were bringing in that I was bringing in after years of trying to get him to do cover one decent comedian. And he was like, eh, I think I'll just cover Jay Moore again. Uh, I was like, I've, I've never liked him, but the, he wrote this article about how excited he was for there to, to be comedy here in Boise. Now that liquid is no longer doing comedy, which is such a bummer. Um, but he said that he was so excited and he was like, he said he couldn't wait to see the acts they were bringing in, which was Jeremy Piven and Harlan Williams. And I was like, fuck you, Michael Deeds. I'm so over your bullshit. You like shitty food. You like shitty music. Like he's, you know, it's never a surprise because he's totally like, you know, uh, gosh darn it. What's that band that was real popular when we were teenagers? Now everybody hates him. Had a fiddle. You know, Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews. He's a Dave Matthews he's a Dave fan. Matthews. You know, he's still like, yeah. hey, I guess who's coming to town? And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, <laughs> he's got the worst taste. But that's the thing about Boise is like, we we were able to, for the last decade, build this like incredibly vibrant scene and uh, art scene and music scene and comedy and like all of these things. And so many of us in the community worked so hard to build that. And then Michael Deeds is just over here like, oh, I hear Buffalo Wild Wings is good. Like, oh, I just am so sick of his shit and I want to replace him. I'm going to replace Michael Deeds. I'm going to be the new arts. I'm not because I'm too lazy to do that. But somebody yeah, needs I'm, to step in. I'm uh, guessing that he makes uh, $14 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. He's just a volunteer. It's yeah, just I don't so know. Frustrating I, it's haven't, like, I haven't looked at that stuff. I feel like it's been so irrelevant to me that it never even occurred to me to to investigate what he has to say about anything because I yeah, obviously he has Yeah. We're we're not gonna see eye to eye on anything. Mine, I was infuriated because I tried to listen to comedy the other day and while I was making dinner and I put on Pandora, uh, it was best comedy of twenty twenty. There wasn't a single woman. Jesus Emma. Christ! Not a. That's single very Pandora. One. Pandora, get your shit together. I was, very Pandora. I was furious. Yep. And then I was like, "Well, I'll get on." And then um, Netflix had their best comedy of 2020, and it was like all diversity. It was yep. all different kinds, and I was like, "That wasn't that hard, was it?" It wasn't. No. Pandora is famous for that. Uh, and it's funny because it's not. It's not that hard. There's so then, many amazing people working right now. And if you like do a station with one fem female comedian, 
it only plays women comedians. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, no. I like comedy. Yeah. Comedy. Not like women comedy. Yeah. You could just throw us in the mix. Just throw us in. How about every other one? How about that? Yeah, I was talking zero. I was zero. It's it's so frustrating. And the fact that it's still happening in this day and age is just like, Jesus, come on. Yeah, a major platform. I mean, not that Pandora, you know, I was just like being lazy and I was just like, oh, yeah, why don't I listen to some comedy? And then I I, I think I listened for maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. And there wasn't a single woman in Best Comedy of 2020. That's the same. Hulu had a list. This was this was a while ago. It was like six months ago or something. Hulu had a, like just a list that popped up, you know, when I was scrolling through and it had like uh, a list of comedians and it was like as far as you could scroll white guys. And I was like, come on, like not what? Yeah, it was very yeah, annoying. I mean, in order to just do what like Pandora and that, li- that list you're talking about did, you have to be strategic. You're trying. You're, you're trying that's to do that. not on accident. Yeah. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, it's that's funny because the other day uh, the kids were kind of grilling me about like my royalties and how that works because they were talking about Spotify and I was like, well, I don't actually make any money off of Spotify. Like um, Spotify, they pay you for every 2000 listens, you get about a dollar. And so you don't make it. I mean, unless you're getting millions of listens, you don't get anything. And so we were kind of talking. And I was like, actually, I make most of my money from Sirius. And they were like, Sirius, like the radio. And I was like, yeah. And I, I, they were like, they do comedy. And I was like, yeah, they have like comedy stations like specifically for comedy and i was like i get played like for example i get played uh played most often on the raw dog station and coming <laughs> and we were like uh uh what and i was like yeah raw dog it's like a station for like like dirty dirty comics basically and henry's like oh is that what raw dog that's what that is and Calvin was like i'm sure if i looked up raw dog right now the first thing that comes up is comedy and henry's like i can't wait to tell all my friends my mom gets frequently played on raw dog and i was like okay all right so dave bought a new truck this summer and got like six months free of sirius radio or whatever (laughs) i swear to god he called me Every time you came on, because he would listen to the comedy thing and be like, I just heard Emma on Sirius XM multiple times. That's adorable. That's very sweet. They do play me quite a bit. They're very awesome. And um, when my album came out, they played it like on a loop. So I, which is really nice because you make a shit ton of money. So that's like a, that was a nice little check that I got right. Basically like right after COVID started, I got a nice little royalty check from them being like, we'll just play your album on repeat for a couple days. So that was nice of them. But yeah, yeah, it's my mom too. My mom got free serious for a little bit. Um, I think when she bought her car and that was the same, she kept sending me pictures of me on the radio. I'm like, okay, well just don't listen to that stuff. Although she's seen me live. She's heard everything at this point. (laughs) The only thing that offends her is she never wants to be in a joke. Not because she's worried it will be mean, but my mom is just like, she's never had social media. She doesn't like pictures taken of herself. She's just like a very, very private person. So she just doesn't, she doesn't want to exist in the ethos at all. I don't think I told you this, but I um, bought a cameo for my mom for Christmas. Oh, cute. From Paula Poundstone. Oh, God. <laughs> of course. Yes. It was so great. That's so God funny. God bless Paula Poundstone. Yes. She like did a full five minute set for my mom. Amazing. <laughs> that is adorable. It was Paula. so, yeah. And my mom and I, um, my mom loves comedy and. Uh, when I was a kid, we went and saw Paula Poundstone together a couple of times at the Egyptian. And so, I was there. 
I went and saw her, me and my aunts. That's our thing. We would always go see Paula yeah, Panson when I was a kid. She was so funny. And um, she's very storytelling. And yeah. I, I remember. And just, she tells a long arc. Oh, yeah. Like she comes back to it at the very end. Where you're like, she oh, does she tags. did it. She landed that plane. Yeah. She did it. Yeah. yeah. So um, she was like on Twitter saying like for 50 bucks, I'll give a message. And I was like, that is the perfect, literally so perfect. My mom could not believe it. She could not believe it. And my dad was like, well, we need to, you know, make sure we can send her, send her a nice gift basket or something. <laughs> they, they like totally don't understand how the market works no, anymore. No. You know, they like really thought that I'd called up Paula Poundstone. Here's the probably thing about, from my connections with Emma. I, I, I do think you should send her a gift basket. Maybe you should tweet her like, my parents want to send you a gift basket. If you have a P.O. box or something. Wine. Tell her you guys own a wine. You could, family owns well, a winery. recovering alcoholic. Okay. That's right. I did forget yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And it send was her very some of your poopery and... stuff. That's nice. I like that stuff. Um, yeah. I have a problem with Cameo because they will not uh, admit I'm a celebrity. <laughs> they will not do it. And I submit because like people are like, oh, you should get on Cameo. And I was like, okay. So I sent them a thing and they well, never. I've mostly poo-pooed it. Like, yeah, this is a really stupid thing. I think and it's then fun. I realized, yeah. oh my gosh, I can get Paula Poundstone to tell my mom. <laughs> there, are, there are some people on there that I've been like, I've been like, this would, this is fun. I just want, I just want like a five minute video of them being like, how's it going, Emma? And I'm like, it's me. That's my name. <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, I would, there's yeah, probably, it was be very personal. It felt very personal. And I should have done that thoughtful. for my mom. Although my mom, it would have to be like Morley Nelson, you know, like, oh my God, James Taylor. I wonder if James Taylor's on there. My mom oh. would shit the bed if I got her a cameo from James Taylor. That would be well, a perfect present. Her birthday's in two weeks. I'm going to do that. I'm going to see if James Taylor's Some on of there. them are like, you know, incredibly, incredibly expensive. And Paul Bounceman was $50. Yeah. Which was, it was such a gift for me. Because yeah. I was able to give like a million dollar gift to my mom. <laughs> that was so perfect and personal for her for $50. Also bought it two days before Christmas. Amazing. And she had How expensive done. could James Taylor be though? Well, some of them are like five hundred, a thousand dollars. All right. Well, well, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look and see, and see if he if he'll. Sing I really, something I was mom. really hoping because I've been hearing, you know, David Sedaris has done book tours just like on a permanent loop for the last twenty years, but now that it's COVID, he's not. But I, so I've been hearing him instead on a lot of podcasts. Like he's been doing everybody's podcast. He would probably do our podcast. <laughs> but um, I really was hoping that he was on cameo because. Um, my brother, I, like, years and years ago, I gave my brother um, a David Sedaris book. And my brother was like, whatever, this is stupid, this is lame. And he, after he read it, and then he heard David Sedaris on the radio and was like, oh, I get it. Like, it took the tone of voice, which is very singular, for my brother to get it. Mm -hmm. And so then my brother went to a see David Sedaris live and David Sedaris will sign books for like oh yeah and just talk years. to you yeah and, and just to, have a conversation and so that year for Christmas I got the book back from my brother and inside of it was an inscription that said Peter didn't like this so back to you <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that is amazing so I really wanted to like do something along those lines yeah. in response for my brother 10 years later. That's you know? adorable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a great idea. I like that. But he wasn't he on Cameo, but I could probably I'm just surprised. send him an email. You could probably just email him and be like, hey, man, 
heard you writing weird articles about poor people now. I was wondering if you give a shout out to my brother when you're not busy. Did you read that article he wrote? It was about like, uh, it was very, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know. It was one of those. I feel like in the Twitter ethos, like I saw it. I was like, read it. And now I can't remember because I can't remember. I remember I didn't like it, but I can't remember why, because immediately it was replaced by something I also didn't care for you know it was a place yeah, by being imagine, dead like not everything that he writes hits me the right way at all but i do think that he's a very in, introspective and thoughtful and uh intelligent person um and with all of that there i think there can be some problematic things for sure yeah i mean he's not i wouldn't say like he's a perfect person at all i have laughed heartily like at some of his books. I remember when I read Me Talk Pretty one day, which is about when he goes to France and learn, tries to learn French. And I was on an airplane and I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. I was so embarrassed because I couldn't stop reading it, but I was just like out loud laughing. And the woman next to me was like, what's wrong with you? And usually I'm like a stone in an airplane like no reaction to anything like please don't talk to me I'm not going to engage with you but I was just laughing so hard it just really tickled me <laughs> you got to get that cameo maybe yeah, for yourself yeah. <laughs> Peter didn't like this so back to back you back to you <laughs> Um, well, what else yeah, do you got? I've I got uh, Calvin says that 2021, the anthem is uh, Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping. <laughs> He's been listening to that album oh, on God. repeat. Oh. And uh, oh, please! I no. think it's hilarious because I was like this, this, I mean, when was that? 98, 99, maybe. That was such a huge like song when we were teenagers oh, and, and it was awful then and it's terrible uh, now uh it he loves that album that whole album <laughs> he's so into it um but i feel like actually what 2021 needs for me what i think it is is uh alanis morissette that's what i feel like we need if we're gonna be pulling things back from the past uh i feel like what it all comes down to is everything's gonna be fine 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 like come on don't you feel like some alanis Maybe uh, you doing Alanis. Okay, maybe me. <laughs> maybe me. All right, maybe you know what? I'll just do a cover album of Alanis songs <laughs> for 2021. Maybe that's what we need to get through this year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, let's try it. Okay, I will. You think <laughs> I will? This is the year where we're trying things. We're trying we're things. Try I made earrings. That's just, that was a thing. These I, I made these, and I made you a pair, which broke. As soon as I handed them to you, they were broken. And I was like, wow, I'm really good at earrings. <laughs> 2021 bitches they were they i'd made a whole bunch and uh out of like 40 that i made this is i made like two pair that were like okay and the rest i was like i'm not good at this okay you that bean art yeah maybe i you do should get into the bean art I, maybe i should the get bean into rice art the bean rice art yes yeah i get some jars yeah. and like you're talking about like there you would you do like, like a, a mosaic yeah out of like beans mm-hmm yeah, maybe dry, dried beans and, and rice. May, I'm doing everything now. <laughs> I'm just trying everything. I'm off socials till March. Wow. Lucky so, you. yeah, um, I needed it. I needed a break. Oh, man, we all do. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Bean Dad. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to feel bad. Like at, what always happens on Twitter is like a fun thing happens. And then immediately people the next day, people are like, I think we should all feel bad about piling on. I think we should feel <laughs> bad about that. And I was like, I'm not going to. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was the catharsis I needed. I'm not going to apologize. And then I was like, I'm going out. I'm out after after 
being dad in the insurrection, I decided to take a little break from social media. And I was like, that's a good place I to stop for a bit. I decide uh, that I'm reading a book before bed now, which is always something I said I do, but I, so far it's held. And Dave is also reading a book for maybe the first time in our entire oh, nice. lives together. Um, and that has really calmed my anxiety, my bed anxiety. At yeah. Least. Um, but yeah, I haven't been able to get off of it and it's, very distracting yeah but it's been a very distracting time period and i keep thinking like well what am i missing what am i missing yeah you know and it's like all of it you're just it's yeah it's all bad so don't look at it that's how i felt the day after the insurrection it's all popcorn i was like and scalp. it's all popcorn scalp that's how i felt <laughs> after the insurrection i was for two days on twitter like I'm seven hours really, a day really really worried not literally about but this um inauguration yeah yeah you know that's like like the neighbors planning something you know it's not going away it's not and i just like i know it's something really terrible is going to happen what is it yeah i don't know i mean i feel like they might kill lady gaga you think they're going to kill lady gaga (laughs) no but she's going to be there and j-lo what if she sings the an- national anthem in Spanish or something? Oh, my They're God. They're going to lose They're their gonna, minds. Every, they would die. It would <laughs> little, All their hearts would explode. I maybe, you know. I'm, no, I'm worried that they're going to kill people. At the state level, I'm yeah. worried about it. I don't think uh, we are at all prepared for the I, evil that's in our community. I hope I'm wrong, but I do feel like every single one of those guys who got arrested after the insurrection wasn't like yeah fuck yeah rebellion they were like i'm really sorry to my community i just was having a bit of fun i didn't realize that i would get in trouble so many other people were like uh that was just a practice yeah the people who didn't face any consequences yeah well there are white men even the people that are arrested even the people that are arrested they're getting like disturbing the peace and shit yeah exactly out and having a hamburger and doing so yeah they won't it'll be like i the they arrested one of the guys here and i look at the arrests you know daily and i never saw his or his arrest photo um and my guess is like they're just gonna sweep it under the rug yeah they're definitely trying and they were trying to to be very like they're trying to paint them as ridiculous Mm -hmm. and then you would see like the american media was trying really hard but then you saw like the bbc uh had embedded you know reporters down there and the videos you saw there were like these people are violent and hate like they were like trying to hurt people like a lot of the like like i said they they have video of kyle rittenhouse you know murdering people yeah and they've made him to be out to be like well he was just a kid he didn't really yeah. know he didn't what, know. You know he just drove uh, gonna, across state you know, lines ruin a whole gu- a guy's whole life because of one thing that he did and it's just like it's bonkers yeah how little consequence my hope is i guess this is all part of a reckoning that america is having to have with itself and that like without january 6th without something happening on inauguration like without all these things really like i think that the middle the moderate part of the country needs to see how far right the far right has gone because i feel like a lot of those people think that trump supporters are just republicans and they're not that's not what's happening and i i almost feel like you you know like we have you have people like russ fulcher our representative who is he is in the far right like he is he signed that thing and 
his statement on the insurrection on January 6th, his statement was that he supported First Amendment rights, that that's what he said afterward. You know, he didn't say like, oh, you know, at least Simpson and Rish had the, you know, what at time where for unity. Yeah, time for unity, all that. But Fulcher was just like, I support I support those. Oh, people. and he won't go through a metal detector yeah. and he won't wear a mask. Yep. And yeah. So I, I don't and know. You know what? <laughs> uh, Idaho Central Credit Union gave money to his campaign and I canceled my car for loan you. with Idaho Central Credit Union. Good for you. Yeah, uh, I was like the same day. I was like, nope. I mean, I don't know. I saw that too. My mom banks with him. I told her yesterday. She said they're pulling their accounts too. She was like, oh no, never mind. Yeah, never they mind. didn't. My my biggest complaint was that they didn't give me an opportunity to say why I was closing my account. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, I stand against you. Vulture's disgusting. Like, We're gonna send you a check in the mail. I'm like. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I've made my point. So I'm saying it here on this podcast. I don't know. I know I, I it can go both ways because like part of me is like, I think, uh, you know, we've all kind of been like, these people are ridiculous and maybe we're missing how dangerous they are or it's too easy to get focused on how dangerous they are and, and forget how ridiculous they are. But like, when I think of like my um, former father-in-law who is, you know, Mr. Uh, separatist, seditionist, you know, and it like supports the, it, it was totally into January 6th, was totally into it, was like, yeah, fuck yeah, get him. Um, when I think of him and he, he told the kids that he's gonna start a militia and the kids were like, grandpa says he's starting a militia. And I was like, what is it gonna be him in a box of smokehouse almonds? Dude doesn't have any friends. Does, he doesn't know anybody, but I think it, I, you know, part of me is like, yeah, you can't just make fun of it, but also that's literally my job. And it's the only way I've ever dealt with trauma. So I don't really know what else to do. I think that they are like a mixture of dangerous and ridiculous. And you kind of just have to, I don't the problem, even though though, even though they're ridiculous, which I totally agree. Um, but that they have guns and they have, uh, they have community, which, encourages them yeah and so you know yeah your uh your old father-in-law may not have any friends but he could find some real fast yeah and that's what i was like i guess that that's what a lot of these guys did was they that, had that no community no hobby he he was like the only thing the only thing he's interested in is eating at chapala's which is wild <laughs> every eats every meal at chapala's and uh insurrection those are his two hobbies you know is he's hoping for the apocalypse and he likes uh, americanized mexican food so that's it that's all but yeah he kind of has found his community through a lot of these other angry old guys who are like let's do a coup each other. yeah yeah they're they're bored they're bored how about golf have God, you thought about jesus golf? christ yeah volunteer or something well we'll see i mean i guess maybe we'll have a lot to talk about next time we come back hopefully it's just real boring and i still think there's not yesterday when i was yelling at those guys uh i think that i think that uh those guys thrive on intimidation to me a lot of times it feels like a heckler at a comedy club like when somebody starts doing when i see those people doing that i'm like these people are just hecklers that they're the exact same people at comedy clubs who try to like interact and yell at you and scare you and they're just bullies and it all it works with a bully just to be to stand your ground and yeah i guess because they have guns that feel you know obviously that feels more terrifying when people are armed and you're not but i also think like there's a lot more of us than them and the uh, the 
people don't realize like the US government is a machine. The machine will grind them up. You know, the machine grinds everybody up in the end is my uh, belief. Uh, you know, watching watching what's happening even right now with the impeachment hearings like the republicans are like we just gotta have unity it always just ends up in this middle wash all of it the far right the far left all of it sort of ends up unfortunately and fortunately i guess in this like ground up sausage that is our capitalist barely democracy which you know anyway we're moving to france and we're buying a chateau is my point uh <laughs> we're gonna go work on that okay. situation that sounds good. Well, this I'll has been it. fun. Uh, I don't know if we had uh, viewers the whole time. Looks like we had a few. Oh, yeah, we had some people. Um, if you have any questions, put them in the comments uh, and we will answer them next time. That was whoever did the scared one. That was a great one. Yeah, we went. <laughs> Hope we answered that. Yeah, we went very thoroughly into terrifying uh, the abyss of birth and murder. I don't know if murder. that's what they meant. It was more like, what was the worst jump scare you ever had? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what scary movie keeps you up at night? We were Exorcist. like. Uh, Exorcist. That's that The one. Exorcist is so scary still. <sighs> Alex had never seen it and we just oh, watched no, no, it. No. And I had been like, I don't know if this holds up. It might be cheesy. Oh. And oh, it's terrifying. I was like, this movie is fucked up. <laughs> it is so scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first horror movie, the first and last horror movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, really? Well, they're not all that scary. Yeah. No, I was like, oh, no, I'm done with that. This isn't for me. <laughs> this whole genre, I'm out. I love horror movies. I don't like The Exorcist. I realized after, like, re and rewatching it, I was like, I love a movie about the devil. Okay. And I realize you kind of like, or demons or whatever. I love a demon movie. Um, I do not care for, in fact, I think it's called the, uh, anarchist cookbook or alchemist cookbook. There's a really good movie about demons. That's very scary. Uh, I'll try to, I'll put it in the comments if I can remember the name of it, but it was really good. Calvin found it. We watched that and it was about demons and stuff, but I was like, I don't like these like movies that do the whole uh demons the devil like possession things but it's always like it's an analogy for female sexuality and we're like yeah we got it we know like anything that puts a whole lot of catholicism into that like and like the young woman like it's all it's all like she's coming in you know in the exorcist like she's coming into puberty she's going through these changes blah 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 and it just I don't know when rewatching it I was like I'm really sick of this patriarchal bullshit I like I want a, an exorcist yeah, so horror I, movie without I that it, I think I was 13 or 14 yeah and, um did not get any of that so I couldn't even really tell you if yeah. that was I mean well, I believe you but I don't I don't need to find out again heavily layered in yeah. there and 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 in lots of exorcism possession style movies is very you know where you're like Oh, because, yeah, because this is about how we deal with female sexuality. That's cool. That's cool. So I want one of those. Somebody make me an, uh, a demon possessor movie with no patriarchal bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, this has been really fun. And yeah. I'm sorry that the podcast hasn't been updated. Alex, uh, the three, he's three behind right now. But the third one has required a lot of work because I plugged the mics into the wrong holes. So he's been fucking with that for a minute. And he's been cussing a lot whenever he's working on it and i've always been like but i got it right now so and then the one after that he has to futz with because uh the memory card was full and we didn't actually record it so he has to use the youtube well, we always just like to give him a little teamwork. extra work a little teamwork <laughs> yeah you're welcome alex all right all right love you bye love you bye guys thanks for sticking around thanks for listening <laughs>